Pablo, and welcome to Smooth Scaling, the podcast from Insight Partners that helps revenue leaders scale their software companies at every stage of growth. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan, and today I'm speaking with Todd Graken, Senior Vice President of Sales at Workato. They're a single platform for integration and workflow automation across your entire organization, and they're number 47 on the Cloud 100. Todd, welcome to the show. Perfect. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. We're going to dive right in, and I'm going to ask you to reflect a bit on your career and think about an initiative that stands out in your mind as having had a major impact on revenue performance. Thanks for having me on the show and, and for giving me this opportunity. And it's a great question because it gave me a chance to actually slow down and, and, and think through it. One of the things that I wanted to highlight as I reflect back on many growing businesses is that there's three key stages. The validation stage, uh, do you have a product or a service that people in the market want to buy or would buy? The calibration stage, uh, lots of A-B testing around what exactly is the right messaging, who exactly is the right audience, what's the right pricing, packaging, and so forth. And then ultimately the scale stage. And as I reflected through it, one of the things that, that in my mind stood apart is having a different type of mindset on how you approach all these areas. And the mindset that I look at is, People talk about sometimes automation as this need to reduce cost. You can't do it with as many resources, do more. I think of it also a little bit of a like quality control perspective. And what do I mean by that? If you think about any go-to-market motion, independent of the stage of the company you're at, you have a large funnel at the front, uh, you have deals uh, going through that funnel, sales execution, and then you have kind of the bow tie part of it afterwards with how do you go expand that revenue. And across that entire funnel, there's lots of leakages that can occur. And those leakages can occur for a myriad of reasons. But the thing that I look at is how do I try to put some automations in place so that I can uh, do it with lower cost and higher results, but then also make sure that the messaging sticks, that when we really are testing things, that they were testing the right things. So a couple of examples I was going to give was around lead routing, what we call some Google interesting moments. We also have a lot of stuff around like event, event management, campaign management, a lot of stuff around chat GPT and how we're trying to think about controls and automating around that. But I figured a couple of these might be some good examples to help people understand what I'm trying to talk about. You framed up a lot of awesome ground around, you know, this framework of validation, calibration, scale. I think those topics around just funnel management and leakage, I think is is pretty killer. And and then, you know, obviously anything related to to Gen AI and chat chat GPT. Maybe let's start with how pulling that mindset topic back in, how one's mindset changes along those three stages of growth from you know, validation to, to calibration to scale. And a, a short side note is over the course of my my life, I've always tried to, you know, do some sort of innovative thing on the side. And I remember early, early on, I think I, you know, I'd read Eric Reese's Lean Startup book and understood the importance of validation, but I sort of ran at what was technically attractive to me personally, which I, I you know, found was the the root cause of my mistakes. But I don't know if that's where you're going with mindset, but it's certainly curious to start with mindset on the validation phase. Early on, you're trying to check for signals and you don't get that many of them. And you're not always sure where they're going to come from and how they're going to come from. But your number one salesperson is your website, right? And so how do you get people coming to your website? As leads come in, how do you respond to them quickly? 
you probably have all the data around Harvard comes out and says that if you can respond within five minutes, you're going to get a 92% likely acceptance rate of people are going to pick up the phone. But if you go over five minutes, then all of a sudden it's going to take 21 touches over three weeks. You know, it's like just the, the data is there. So how do you get more touches and how do you follow up to them quickly? And one of the things that we were finding out is we were making it too onerous on our website for people to ask for meetings. You know, they would come in and we'd have to say, like, what's your name? What's your title? What's your phone number? What's your email? What are you interested in talking about? And so we started to say, is there a more a smarter way of doing this? Can we set it up so that we as soon as someone comes into the website, we automatically go out and enrich that data? What we found is by by doing that, we were able to get more touches and a higher conversion at the earlier stage. To your specific question around the validation part, and once again for calibration, the more touches you have, the faster you can innovate on your messaging. So by taking our our top of lead funnel from a 30% conversion to a 60% conversion, that doubles everything that we have later on in the pipeline. Yeah, I was just actually reflecting on, on this piece around lowering the friction on web forms. I was in marketing a long time ago, and I remember finding research, and I would assume it's still true today, that every field that you add reduces your response rate by 12%. And I, I, I say I think it's still valid because I was just talking to someone the other day, and they they had a hiccup in their lead generation, and they went and found out that somebody added not just any question, I can't remember the very specific question, but it was kind of a high friction question. Like, you know, it's one thing to ask for you know, someone's job title, it's an, which you don't need to do, right? Because you can you can append that, but it's another thing to ask for uh, something sensitive, right? Like ARR or average contract value, whatever, th- something much more sensitive. A phone number also quite quite a sensitive kind of thing. Any like thoughts on on that of, for instance, putting the calendar right in the booking form? I, I don't know if there's others that you've come across that you, you found to be really effective. No, interesting. You just brought that one up because I was going to go there next. So one of the things we found out is, especially if these were people that we've been targeting with outbound messages or with uh, various ads from uh, you know various uh, technologies that are out there, why can't we just give them a calendar invite there and then? And so, no, we, we, we've greatly changed it. So if people are clicking on things that we might have sent them in the past, or if they're already in our, our databases or our systems, then why wouldn't we just give them a calendar? So that's exactly what we've done. And we've seen a big uptick in terms of acceptance rates on those. You know what I used to see and I don't see a lot of anymore? I always think, okay, what's 10x better than a calendar invite, right? Because even the calendar invites 10, 10x better than just clicking you know, the submit button and then having to coordinate via email afterwards. 10x better is like, call me now. And obviously the, the concern is that maybe you don't have enough sales capacity or you don't know who's available. But do you see in many of your customers uh, the like, let's, let's just do it right now, call me now, button basically yeah we've experimented with that with a couple of different uh, approaches one of the challenges becomes the call me now who's the resource that calls and and how qualified are they to have uh, different types of discussions and so the jury's still out on that one i don't necessarily have a best practice uh, some of that also like in EMEA, like do you give up on the language but that they're available you know there, there's a lot of different trade-offs that occur uh, so I don't I don't have any best practice on that one. But what I can say is we all know if you can respond quicker, if you make it easier for them to to tell you what they're thinking, the, the better off you, you can do it. If I can put something out there that I thought was interesting in terms of kind of an automation approach, we found out that we had people uh, that we were targeting that would come into Google, do a query, then then we would buy access to them because they put in a query of something that we were interested in, but then they wouldn't end up clicking on creating a meeting. Well, then what we found out is that we could set up an automation 
where it would go back out to these people uh, automatically with an email that was titled with their words of their search. Yeah, clever. And then turn around. And we did this, and within the first 90 days, we added another $2 million wor- worth of pipeline. Huh. I had something like that happen to me earlier today, and I'm just wondering, like, how how weird is it? So it was a consumer brand. It's probably too much information, but I, like many Americans, have sleep apnea. And my sleep apnea, you know, supply company sent me the wrong tube. And I went online to see if I could order, you know, order a new one. And I went to a website and then I basically, you know, I was shopping cart abandonment. I added I added the tube just to see how much it would cost and what the shipping and so on was. And I, I left, but I never, ever put in beyond adding this item to my cart. I didn't give them any indication of of like who I was. And lo and behold, like 10 minutes later, I get an email from them to my personal email that says, basically it was weird. It was confirm your subscription to our newsletter, which is a little weird. I mean, they could have done something better with the shopping cart abandonment, but you know, obviously there's the technology was there to connect me. Is it similar to that? And and like, how do you deal with the, Hmm, that's, it's a little, it's a little forward of you to, to do that. Yeah, no, so far what we've been hearing more is, and maybe we're just hearing the positive side of it, but just, Hey, thanks for following up. I've been struggling trying to understand the following. Got it. So yeah, it's it's like you're you're not you're not being so forward that you were snooping on them, right? It's sort of a happy coincidence that you're emailing them near, yeah. at, at near the same it, time. It, it's more of you know the path they were taking wasn't easy for them. Here's another path to help them to get to what they want to, and it, it, they can opt into it or not. As we're talking through this, another thing that I was struck with, and a lot of marketing and sales leaders asked me about is is this whole like ICP and persona thing and how you filter through inbound leads, whether it's the call me or even showing the calendar. Like sometimes, sometimes people don't want to show a calendar if the prospect is like not the right ICP, not the right persona. I mean, obviously this is all an ROI thing and it depends on context, but how do you approach that and, and how do you advise others to approach that? Yeah, no. So we, we calibrate each one with kind of like a high fit, low fit. And it's based on, you know, an algorithm of kind of like historical patterns of what potential buyers look like based on title, size of company, how they're doing, experience in the industry, you know, a number of different things. And we definitely uh, treat those differently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, since, right, it's not a, it's not a Workado commercial, but you can use a platform like Workado, right? And detect like, does this, do they meet the ICP or not? And if they don't, then you can send them to marketing nurture or whatever. And then if they do, you can show them the calendar form. So there's, there's ways to handle that. Yeah. And and the key thing that we found there with constant experimentation is just how do you make it faster to respond and and to know so that it's like, you know, in in the, in the workflow moment that you can do that. So for example, if it's a high fit based on a series of characteristics, then how do we route that to an individual or group of people, uh, maybe via like a Slack or teams or other, like, you know, but how do you put it in their existing workflow so that people, it it pops up, they have it, all the data's there and you have an auto dialer and click you go, you know? So once again, like, you know, we try to really prioritize high fit within five minutes, getting them a touch. On your own form, and I guess I can I can ch- like check this in real time. Do you guys ask for email, or is that something that you prefer to to append? Because I was mentioning earlier that that's a sort of a higher sensitivity piece of data. But then it's also the flip side is sometimes you want to ask the sensitive questions in order to to screen out the tire kickers who aren't serious about you know who aren't serious about working with you. And by the way, I use that time as I was talking to pull it up, and you know you guys are practicing what you preach. You got three fields. 
One is your full name. Two is your work email. And then three is what are you looking to do? I got the answer to that one. But I'm yeah, I guess you intentionally did not ask for phone number and any rationale behind that. Exactly. Now, in, in, in this uh, automation right now, we're talking about more top of funnel. But let's talk about, you know, the, the, the marketing team does this great job of getting meetings. Everyone gets excited. You're going to have a meeting and then boom, they don't show up. Now, you know, once again, I, I kind of equate automations with control. So once again, do it with cheaper resources or do it more efficiently and all that. But from a sales perspective, if I go back and ask the, the, the account team, hey, if someone missed a meeting, please go follow up with them. Well, how do I know that the team's doing that? And how am I measuring that? Well, an easier one to do is can you set up an automatic occurrence where if something doesn't happen, if a meeting gets canceled, that all automatically another invite goes out. You know, saying, hey, sorry, we missed you. Would like to reconnect. Let us know if your your change, if your needs have changed. But you do that automatically. The other one is if leads have come in and people were supposed to follow up with them, if they haven't followed up within a certain amount of time, then we, re, we uh, move that lead to another person within eight days. Because we know that if we follow up with people within eight days of trying to connect with them, like certain things happen. My only point is I've learned that the more you can kind of put some controls around that, then it's not me asking the go-to-market team to do it. It's making sure that it's occurring. So a clarification, I'm going to actually go back on both those things, but on the on the second one, were you saying that if if your rep doesn't follow up with a lead within eight days, then you actually swap the owner? Yeah, no, we call it a reactivation. And exactly for that, for whatever the reason, it wasn't working, the the, the, the messaging, the, the, the vehicle that we were doing it. But so, uh, yeah, we, we're playing with that. Hey, Todd, I'm going to interrupt you right here so we can record a part two to dive deeper into how to accelerate sales performance using Gen AI and other productivity hacks. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for listening to the Smooth Scaling Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. For more information about the topics we discussed today, check out the Insight Partners blog at insightpartners.com slash blog. See you next time.